Hello, hello. This is Chris, seafarer turned designer. And this is Carl, nurse turned designer. Welcome to Design Shifters, a podcast on how people shift to design. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Design Shifters. This is episode 5, and today we are here with Oliver Bayani, UX designer at Tonic Bank, based in Manila, previously at Home Credit. So, yeah, welcome, Oliver. Welcome, Oliver. <laughs> Hello, hi, guys. Uh, sorry, I, uh, I'm still recovering from a long drive, but <laughs> rest assured, I still have the energy for this podcast. Uh, really, uh, uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I, I am... I, practically uh, sleepless last night because, you know, I, I'm excited to share my experience. So, thank you for having me. Interesting, oh, interesting. Really <laughs> yeah, it, it, it flatters us, really. Like, you really look forward to this um, podcast recording. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so, introductions. Yeah, yeah. Introduction. tell us about your work, <laughs> where you uh, are now. <laughs> okay, so, uh, uh, I'm a UX writer so that's what I want to be called. But I'm actually up in between jobs. Uh, so uh, you mentioned Tonic. That was the last company I uh, worked for. And the company's claim to fame is uh, being the first fully licensed digital bank in the Philippines. So completely zero physical branches. So um, I can't say where I am headed next uh, for now, but I will be taking on a UX writing role in my next job for sure. So yeah. Sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Nice one. So Tonic is kind of like, what do you call this one? This uh, online banking solutions like Gcash, right? Ah, no, no. Uh, so for, uh, well, currently Gcash has introduced features that makes it look more like a bank because you can now save money. Yep. But uh, it's actually, it is a, an e-wallet kind of uh, business. Uh, Tonic is a, a bank. Uh, it has a banking license from the BSP mm. and the first digital banking license, in, in fact. So it, it, it's pretty unique. Uh, BSP is pushing for, you know, uh, for more Filipinos to, you know, uh, save money, uh, get mm. banked. <laughs> exactly. The term is a lot of people are unbanked. So yeah. their push is, you know, mm. make digital banks because... Digital banks are practically banks you could carry anywhere because it's in your mobile phone. <laughs> mm, mm. Okay, so currently you you are a or a tonic, you're a UX designer, and run us through the things that you do there as a UX designer. Oh, perfect. So I was one of the first few UX designers in Tonic when it uh, when it started around uh, March. Actually, I came in before March. March was the launch of the app, but I was mm. there when the team was building the MVP. So I was one of uh, three designers who uh, first laid out the MVP, the first features, you know, the, the first ideas. So I started out as a UX designer. I was hired as a UX designer. So that means uh, I joined the uh, kickoff meetings, get requirements, and translate those requirements into user flows and screens. That needs to be tested mm. and eventually needs to be developed. You know, the, your, your, your typical UX designer uh, uh, outputs. And what happened was since we were building everything from, from scratch, somebody needs to write. 
uh, copy for the screens. So we're talking about uh, buttons and uh, the onboarding screens down to emails and the, the, the SMS. So it's a lot of content that needs to be written. Uh, we didn't have a copywriter back then. And it so happens that my past experience in, in home credit, I was already doing some form of UX writing. And I took ownership of it. And eventually, uh, my team members and the product managers there uh, trusted me to write content for Tonic. So on paper, I was a UX designer. But in terms of outputs, I was really a UX writer. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Uh, I join meetings as a UX designer would, but usually my questions is about what content do you need, when do you need it, uh, what is your requirements, the message that we need to say, these kinds of things. So yeah, I think <laughs> that is that has what happened in my past jobs. I was a UX designer, but I was doing, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I was a UX designer, but I was doing UX writing work. Mm-hmm. Cool. And we've looked at your background and it's very, it's a very interesting background. Um, you know, since college, you've been doing, um, you took, uh, I think, journalism, a kind of journalism. That's true. And I think you can expound on that more. But run us through, like, where you started. Where was this passion for? Mm writing or as a UX designer, where did this come from? Gotcha. So um, to be clear, what happened to me was I kind of shifted two times. <laughs> so uh, UX designer and then uh, UX writer. So that's what happened. But uh, let's, let, let's, let's keep that uh, maybe later in the podcast. I'm going to answer uh, your question, how did it uh, um, begin? So... If the question was like a was I like a like an artsy boy like a, like a, I like to draw and, and stuff maybe um, yeah like a, I I like the uh, occasional doodle but uh, I was a very cur- curious kid ba- back then with a very uh, bad it, it's not a lisp I I have a problem uh, speaking I speak too fast and I garble words. And it was so bad mm. that schools didn't accept me. Like, they, they, they thought that I needed a special school. So, really, communication and writing is not in my radar when I was growing up. I was more interested in, like, drawing or, I don't know, sports maybe, but but not basketball. Like, I, I, I don't like basketball. So, yeah, it's really not uh, communication. I really didn't... Uh, know what I'll be what I'll be doing in in, in the future. Uh, what happened was uh, two things. Uh, number one, our family's business is selling food in Palenque, sa sa uh, market, mm-hmm. and that involved talking to a lot of people. So even though my communication wasn't that good, I think my confidence was you know uh, getting better. I was mm-hmm. confident at myself. Even though when I open my mouth, it's not exactly the most coherent thing in the world. So, 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 so that's one. Second was uh, just to make it short. Uh, there was this contest in 
in in in elementary school where i had where i was forced to join by the whole class as a joke and you know like uh, i i was stuttering like even now right like i'm i'm a, i'm a bit stuttering right so that's me so i joined this contest i need to memorize this story it's elephant in the monkey if i remember it correctly and i need to do that in uh, uh one two weeks and present it in front of a lot of people and um i was handicapped like uh, i i only had two weeks I stutter a lot, and my confidence was okay, but not to that level where I can perform on stage. So thanks to my sister, this a bit of a of a th- of a thespian in his uh, younger years, like he once uh, he uh, like she writes poems, she she likes books, so she taught me uh, some tricks. She she guided me how to memorize my lines, and eventually the day came. I uh, wore this weird costume where I have I was half lion, ah, sorry, half elephant and half monkey. Uh, I was the ninth contestant out of ten uh, kids, and eventually I won. I won, and that was the start where I started to explore the idea that maybe I might have a future in English, maybe I have a future in communication, but. I wasn't the the that kind of guy that always writes something or joins mm. the college or uh, sorry the the high school or elementary school paper. You know, I I was just uh exploring the idea that hey, I can overcome that big of a hurdle. Maybe mm. I might have a future in that. But I didn't take that uh, I didn't take that as seriously until I reached college. Mm. Tell us, tell us about this though. Uh, what did you took in college? Okay, so college is uh, I took uh, BS Development Communication uh, in uh, UPLB University of the Philippines, uh, the Spanos. Actually, that's where I came from uh, <laughs> today after a long, long drive. Uh, uh, I, mi- I I miss school so <laughs> so uh, BS Development Communication. My, my major was uh, development. Uh, journalism. I apologize to my professors who's gonna listen to this. I have forgotten the definition of development communication, so please don't crucify me. However, all I am sure is it helped me become a more sensitive person, mm-hmm. made me a good listener, mm-hmm. and really sharpened my ability to write clearly uh and uh, meet deadlines because it's it's um as as far as i can recall that is the demand of being a development a communicator because you are using language to actually help people uh that uh in third world countries people who need to understand technical difficult concepts that could actually alleviate their poverty it's really big terms but uh in a nutshell and and to stop uh, embarrassing myself further because I forgot what development communication is. That's it. All I can, all I know, and what I'm proud of is whatever I learned in in that four or five years was immensely important to where I am right now as a designer and as a writer for products. 
So I did that for for uh, for five years. Uh, I got delayed for a year because uh, of my undergraduate thesis. I went ahead and I became ambitious. It was uh, about risk communication, and I wanted to understand how people um, define risk. It's a very, very big topic. And my professor, uh, Pamela Custodio, was uh, one of the most brilliant people that I know and one of the toughest to, uh, toughest to please. <laughs> so she allowed me to um, slow down and encouraged me to actually you know, extend and uh, finish my undergraduate thesis in its entirety <clears throat> where I could actually explore all of the ideas that I want to explore. So I did that. It's a single, uh, it's a one-man thesis, a bit thick. And uh, at the end of that, I won best undergraduate thesis. So I didn't have Latin honors, mm. uh, but uh, I was so proud that all of that you know, uncertainty and anxiety of can I ever finish this uh, effing long paper and can I ever meet the standards of Miss Pam? Uh, it paid off. Uh, gave me a good grounding on research and also made me uh, more... Um, my appetite for deadlines also has increased. Made me a very good person overall after that experience. So that was college. Uh, I took up writing uh, uh, eventually. But uh, fun fact, I was supposed to be an electrical engineer, <laughs> but I didn't pursue it. What? <laughs> A lot yeah, of yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in, 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 uh, when I was like applying, I wrote down electrical engineering and, and I got in. Uh, thank God the math school, wasn't that school. hard yet. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Oh, same school, yes, same school. So, and then, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, a few months before the the school year started, I had this conversation with, with one EE student, a third year EE student there. And then he, the guy warned me that you're gonna regret this. So, <laughs> like, uh, because I was okay with math, but I, I, I really had to admit that I really can't sustain that rigor of thinking it's much more easier for me maybe to write maybe i'm not that kind of a math person so i needed to assess my likelihood of graduating because really that's that that's my goal because i don't want to break my my mother's uh, and my father's heart so i thought you know maybe i kind of did well in, in in high school in in english and in, in writing maybe I can do well in, in writing here in college. So mm. I didn't like com arts. I wasn't leaning towards a BA course. Uh, development communication is a BS course. So it has a lot of technical subjects. So why not? So I mm. took a leap of faith and I came right through the other side. And yeah, I got a degree and was very happy with the results of that mm. very long paper. <laughs> Interesting. Um, even in the in the in the beginning part of your career, even before you started your career, it's already like apparent that there's this character development happening, uh, coming from being handicapped, um, not being able to communicate well. Then you you train yourself within a short span of time, two weeks, and manage to win the whole contest. So I think there's a there's a pattern going on already. Like uh, you're already capable of 
developing yourself um even though you're you're you don't know how to like you're severely ha- handicapped in something and you train yourself build yourself up and create or probably manage to succeed in that area so um what what happened after after college what what did you took did you go directly to design or what what happened after that okay uh after college okay so what happened was uh everybody in in the fa- in the family was kind of i don't know concerned and a bit sad that i i wasn't able to graduate on time because i was supposed to graduate uh on uh in 2009 and 2009 is a very very awesome year in UPLB because that is i think uh, the 100 year uh uh anniversary of the college so the the medals look better you know and the stage looks better in in, in graduation and maybe the the most heartbreaking part is i won't be able to graduate with with my classmates so i i remember crying i mean uh, on on graduation day because they thought that i was graduating they thought that i had you know latin honors which i doubt i mean <laughs> at that time so I was in 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 I was down. I didn't graduate. I have like a uh, one year uh, to actually uh, complete my thesis, uh, guided by Miss uh, Pam Custodio, and I tried to uh, apply for work. So um, uh, I I I applied as a um, as a journalist for uh, ecoseed.com. So that was twenty ten, and I wrote news about renewable energy renewable energy so it was smack uh in the center of things that interests me i was a devcom student i was so ideal i want to go out there and show my writing and save the world and save people from poverty because when you are a devcom graduate most likely that's how your 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 head and heart works it's you're so uh, excited to go out there and work for NGOs and big uh, institutions like World Bank and Asian Development Bank and 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 help people because that's in that's inevitably you know the the path that you should take as a, mm. as a DevCom student. But for me, uh, we, we didn't live in a you know in a very big house. Uh, I grew up working. My parents are uh, are uh, hard workers, and somebody needs to pay the bills. So I needed to get a job. So I applied, even though I haven't graduated yet. And lo and behold, I uh, I got in. <laughs> uh, I got in, and while I was working, I was uh, completing my thesis. So I started as a writer, as a journalist. And from that time, uh, I mean, for the next eight years, that was uh, that was uh, what I was doing, but not with Ecoseed anymore. So after Ecoseed, the next eight years, I was a journalist covering uh, the advertising industry. So that was a country editor for marketing magazine in Singapore. Uh, and then here in the Philippines, that's uh, Adobo Magazine as a digital content editor. So I was covering and chasing the most creative people in the advertising industry uh, during those uh, years. And that's really where I got the first whiff of uh, what design is, 
of what design, uh, what is the design processes. Uh, also, I was beholden by how articulate and how I don't know. It, it's so it, it's so it's so cliche. Like how creative <laughs> these people are, uh, because they're 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 able to produce uh, award-winning campaigns. Like we're talking can awards, so it's crazy. And I can say that these were the most valuable uh, years of my life in terms of uh, exposure to the creative uh, industry. So yeah, eight years journalist covering the advertising industry. That's that's mm-hmm. what I did right right after college. It it really wasn't design. I mean, designer wasn't part of me. It it wasn't in my mind when when I was uh, out from college. I also I ended uh, sorry I completed journalism so might as well become a journalist uh, uh, yeah so that what that's what happened I was a journalist interesting so from there you were talking about design and that was like your exposure to design and when did you started doing like uh, or doing roles as a UX designer mm, okay. So, okay. So looking back, I think it was actually uh, by chance. So um, I was doing this writing stuff close to a decade by around 2016, 2017, when I decided to join a startup uh, as a content editor. So it, it's called Snippet Media. So Snippet Media is an app, and I think it's still alive today. So it, it, it recommends news based on your reading habits. So it does that with artificial intelligence and, and AI, but it still needs human editors to train the system about what's good news, what's you know what stuff to avoid. Like for example, like porn. I mean, you can't show porn in a news app. So, so <laughs> these kinds of things. So my, my typical day was me on the desk, listing reputable news sources, checking if the app is, you know, showing the right content and, it got boring because I love talking to strangers and write about how they view and understand their world or what they do. That was what I did for, for eight years. And I, I, I miss that. So the shift to UX design, that, that, that first ship, uh, shift sorry, uh, happened around uh, six months in the job. So the managers in, in Snippet Media had a bunch of UI and uh, feature ideas that that they want for the app and they all sounded cool but the story why they want it is not that clear to me so you know i was expecting these guys to explain their ideas like case studies you know like how advertising agencies explain their uh their award-winning ad campaigns because it's usually these short smartly made videos explaining the campaign um, usually in, in, in three parts. So the first is they start with the problem or the insight that they found, and then they go on to explain how they how they found it, like they found it while crossing the street, or they found it in a survey, or because their mom uh, said so. It, it, it's, it's great. So the problem or, or the insight, and then right after that, they went on explaining the, the, the solution or the response to that insight. So they start uh, explaining how technical the solution is, how how many teams were involved. So it's 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 cool. And then the last, which I, which I like the most, is is the, the the outcome. 
They even say, what's the outcome of that flashy campaign? So maybe at the end of that uh, of that uh, video, they say there's a 15% increase of something, a 15% decrease of, of, of I don't know, of, of something else. So it's, it's such a very amazing way, smart way of presenting an idea. And we're just talking about two to three minutes of video, but they managed to pack everything in it. And the what I like the most is at the end of that very short amount of time, uh, I was compelled to believe whatever this ad campaign is saying. No wasted time. So, all right, so back to Snippet Media. They have this bunch of ideas for the app, and their pitch, I think, was, you know, was not presented in this problem, solution, outcome structure that I think is very important. Because, you know, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. So why build it? Because most probably people won't care. <laughs> so now, at that time, as, as you know, like, I, I can't comment too much on, on, on product stuff because I was just a content editor. But I want to get involved. So that set off the chain of events that led me into UX design. So that's really yeah. So how it. did you get involved? Like how, like for, for someone listening right now, these are some of the things that, you know, as maybe as a new UX designer or even someone who wanted to shift to UX design and they just really want to do UX design, but they're afraid of that like, first step of being involved in mm-hmm. a UX process or a design thinking process. Can okay. you give us how you you went or how you went beyond that mm. um, barricade or like wall? Gotcha. But you know, I I like how you explain that. It is indeed a wall. Uh, that's how I felt. Uh, you know, you you have some questions, and you know, uh, you 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 feel that what your questions make make sense, but you don't have enough you know proof. And, and evidence to support it and your confidence is really not that high and then when when somebody or the wall you know when, when you hit that wall and you can't defend uh, your 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 ideas and questions you you feel deflated you feel defeated and then slowly that interest to jump into something that you might be good at mm. dies so oh, anyways that's so dramatic so anyways <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you do to make this jump uh what did I do to make this jump? Okay, uh, so first, I wasn't aiming for, yes, uh, I want to be a UX designer mm. immediately because back in around 2016 in Snippet Media, hardly anyone is looking to hire a UX designer in the Philippines. In fact, I did not know anyone who was a UX designer or a product designer at that time. You, 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 LinkedIn, sorry, you, you searched LinkedIn UX designer and you could only spot like one or two roles in the Philippines, but abroad, there's there's tons. So, okay, uh, I got more clarity after reading articles online, especially in Medium. Okay, so that's what I did. It's just a simple keyword like UX design or design or product design, and then boom, tons of articles. So after reading some, my first impression really was it was UI work. Honestly, like I thought it was user interface. No, 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 the the fonts, the the mm. color, the typography, the imagery, and I really thought that 
you need to be an artist to be a UX designer because it says designer and designer means something creative and I thought creativity is just about the visual. I, I, I had this chance where I applied for, for a job and they asked for a portfolio and then my portfolio was what I thought was a UX portfolio where I, I, I ran through my process. But this, this company asked me to show the final outputs, like a very beautiful website or a very beautiful app. And I can't do that <laughs> because I was reading, uh, I can't say the Western experience of what a UX designer should be. And that is required and what is expected to be a good UX portfolio. Your, uh, your, how you arrived at the solution. How did you find out the problem? How did you uh, validate the problem and your solution? So mm-hmm. I thought that was the right thing. But, you know, I, I've, I've, I had a chance to uh, uh, apply in, in, in some companies and they're asking what I think is a UI portfolio. So, you know, what I did is uh, read more. I mean, what the hell? I mean, in, in what, I'm, what I'm reading and what and I, I am experiencing in, in real life is, is not aligning perfectly. So I read more. And then I realized that, you know, it's not. UX really is what is really that. It, it's really the process. It's really not really how beautiful your design works. It's really how well it works. Why you built it. So I learned after reading that UX design uh, borrows concepts uh, and ideas from so many disciplines to build, you know, these meaningful experiences for, for people. And I was so attracted with the research aspect of it and how massive its influence is in design decisions. So really, if, I'm, if you're going to ask me, I jump, how did I jump to UX design? I started really with UX research because that is, I think, the most healthiest place to start your, 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 uh, your, your foundations, your career. If you know how to understand your customers, your users, where, where are they coming from, their context, and be able to choose the right method in getting that insight, and most importantly, how to actually uh, present that. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I was also attracted to it because it resembled journalism in a way. So you investigate problems, you are required to find multiple and varied sources to get to the bottom of the truth and find a way to convince people about the things you learned. And I like to do that. So, okay. Uh, I'm, um, just I'm gonna to be add to that, sorry, yeah, but I really like the story, especially with journalism. And I wanted to add to that because I, I realized the more you talk to people, the more you learn about other people, mm. the more you build this empathy. Mm. And... Mm. How how was it for you? How was it for you? So for for UX designers listening to the podcast, I mean, if there's you know, if there's one thing that I really want you guys to understand is really UX design is a social science. It is, you know, at at the end you, you know, it, it's so easy to get lost in the in the beauty of the interfaces in how nice your user flows are you know, like uh, completion time in this, but at the end, it's really a social science. And if you, and I, I saw that 
people who are really uh, getting ahead uh, in, in, in this industry are people who, who really took time to, to study uh, behavior, uh, psychology, qualitative and, and quantitative methods. I myself, I mean, I'm severely lacking in, in, in those areas, but I'm working on it uh, every day. So if you don't talk to people, if you don't do the research, if you don't get feedback from from people, you are not doing UX design. And it's in it's as clear as that. Mm-hmm. If you are on your desk and all you do is just copy paste it, which is great. I mean, copy pasting is is, you know, a skill. <laughs> and it will be inevitable. <laughs> I mean copying ideas and just making assumptions on your own, then you can do better. I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. You you can do better. And to elevate your process and the quality of your work, you need to, to really go out there or start reading other people's research and then realize that, yeah, I am required to talk to people. And very similar to, to journalism. I talk to strangers every day. <laughs> exactly. So, um, what what influenced you though? What what influenced you to transition from UX designer to UX writer? Mm-hmm. Because it looks like um, in the UX design field, you were influenced by user research. Like it, it triggered your your interest um, to become a UX designer. What triggered you to become a UX writer? A UX writer. Okay. So, uh, okay. Wait, UX writer. Okay, this will be tough. Okay, so uh, after Snippet Media, so I got the, I had this streak of working in fintechs. So that's uh, Home Credit, ING, Tonic, and, uh, sorry, Home Credit, ING, and Tonic as a UX designer. But, you know, I had to admit that it's it's really more or less on, on paper. So uh, good example in, in Home Credit, I was a senior UX designer, but I was involved in user research. Mm. And then I did some mock-ups and some final designs, but later on it was just, you know, conducting tests and surveys and presenting them to the design team. And then th- that's great. So what I happened was, when I was talking about that, that UX designer experience a while ago, that was me as a generalist. I was a generalist, really, in, in, in snippet media. And I got more involved in, the UX, uh, in, in UX research at Home Credit out of necessity. Because, you know, uh, I wanted to take ownership of encouraging the team to slow down and talk to real people. And they allowed me to do it. I was lucky that they didn't force me to create the screens. Because I have to admit, I was not as strong as my teammates. They can do a better job than me at half the time. So, uh, but I was uh, quicker at uh, creating research plans, uh, talking to people, uh, creating the tests uh, without, you know, zero to little budget and to present ideas in confidence. So, okay, the second shift, the second shift happened in home credit. And this is what happened. And this is really cute. Uh, It happened when in this one product manager that I absolutely love to work with. with uh, her name is Dang, so hello Dang, if you're listening to this, I doubt, but you know, hi, hi Dang. <laughs> so she she asked me to write an error message, mm-hmm. okay? So I said yes because I love to write, and in that moment, something 
just clicked. You know, in my mind, you know, I had this sudden rush of ideas from hundreds of screens that I've seen before that impressed me. And I tried to recall how companies like Google or Apple handled that error situation that Dan gave me. And then, you know, um, the, the words started to flow. I mean, I uh, experimented with, uh, with, with verbs, with, 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 with uh, synonyms. I read the text out loud. I, I asked my mom, my dad, my, my friends to read my work. And, you know, that task of, of writing that 15-word sentence on a screen that the users will most likely skip <laughs> demanded from me the brain power and attention I will use to write a 1,000-word feature article. And it was exhilarating for, for, for me that, you know, I will never forget that screenshot that Dan gave me after uh, that, you know, that 15-word sentence. So Dan submitted that error message to a developer that, you know, will use that. And the developer replied in Tagalog, Wow! Ang claro naman ito. So, wow, it's so clear. You know, and in that instant, I, I for the first time in a long time, I, I felt relief. Because I, at that time, I thought I was a big fake. You know, I was a vice mm. president of product uh, in, in Snippet. But I thought it was a fancy title. I mean, I was, I was just, I think, a junior back then. But my title was so big. And I got hired as a UX designer in Home Credit, but I was so guilty that I am not designing like my teammates. That thought ate me for a long time. And, you know, uh, hats off to, to Dang, thank you, that Dang and, and that feedback from that developer. Mm-hmm. Um, through, through those two things, I realized the most important thing that made me shift, that writing can actually be designing. Uh, can you expound a bit on that? Why is it writing is designing? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, why is writing designing? Okay, okay, okay. So, um, when, when you make decisions uh, that affect the experience someone else has, you know, like writing the words that appear in an app or in a website or even just a door, that's 100% designing because you're shaping that experience. And that's why I find it useful to think of myself and anyone who writes for products or even a door <laughs> as designers mm-hmm. because, you know, we don't write fiction or short stories. I no longer write news. UX writers like me use language to solve problems, to make sure Users have a good experience to make sure that, you know, users could, can do what they need to do in the digital products we are working on. So I think that's why writing, it is a healthy way of looking at writing if you are in a design team, that you are also a designer. You're, you're not just an afterthought. You're not at the end of the process. You are in every step of the process because writing is designing. Yeah, I, I, I can also add to that in a way wherein I believe that we always think that writing, because writing is so ubiquitous, like you can see it anywhere. But 
it's so much like we don't really think about it consciously but it affects us subconsciously for example once you go inside a door let's just say for example a door and there's a coffee there that is very clear um you know words are a form of of ui also words are a form of communication communication is design and sometimes we don't really just think of it but like our experience going through that door or i don't know door probably is not the best example <laughs> um like when you go to a website your experience going through that you don't think about the copy but the copy actually sub- subconsciously affected your experience you just don't mm. think about it and that's like good design right good design that's is true. not does not cause to some to most to the most degree it should not cause friction it should not make you like stop and think harder about this like what does this mean right except of course if it's you know like you really need that person to read this um um especially with uh what was that you were um you were doing in college like i forgot the term developmental development communication communication yeah the uh, the thesis yeah the thesis yeah <laughs> um the, yeah the, that that kind of writing needs some kind of friction but most of the time and we can probably cut some of this sorry I'm blabbering <laughs> right now um i believe that most of the time when you write or when you do when you do ux writing your mindset is not about ooh, the user or the person should be reading this like stop and read this but more about the person should be understanding this so he doesn't mm. he doesn't add he doesn't have men- the mental load mm. to, uh, so it takes away that mental load from that person so kind of like that you know you made me realize something r- right now when when you said that you know how you know how how good copy and good design because they they work in tandem should be invisible in a way mm. and it, it made me realize so i i have this experience where i'm always asked to write something funny in the app <laughs> like there's a screen and then at the end of that uh, of writing i mean the whole exercise somebody comes up like a, a product manager and then and then she, uh, he or she says Hey Ollie, can you make this you know feature more funny? And then that didn't sit sit well with me. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not angry, but I just had this really strong belief, and that the best UX copy is in some ways boring. Mm. <laughs> it it should be boring to a fault because it should be invisible, but at the same time there present ready to guide you when you need help and you are correct i mean it's such a big part of design and it has the ability to make something so painless and frictionless that you forget all about it <laughs> you're correct actually i dare say that the best ux writing that i've encountered are by by are to a fault boring <laughs> because it's too clear and 
it just pops up when 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 you need it. It it's not this it's not this annoying pop up that's just floating around. It's 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 sensitive. It's aware. It's it's present, mm. and you know that that's a good way of looking at good copy. Thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> I I realized this now, like when you nar- uh, narrate your story from from beginning up 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 until now, I I realized that uh, there's this recurring theme in your in your story. You started with you know you, you mentioned about your your mom is um, selling in the in the in the market, wherein it triggered your empathy to to people like be able to communicate to them you. You, then you transition into college wherein you need to be empathetic to, to people. You need to be able to feel them. And now working as a copywriter, wherein you're providing solutions to people. So somehow the, the, the recurring UX theme writer. is... Yeah, UX writer rather. Um, wherein it forced you to provide solutions to people, right? Like improve people's lives, um, making their life easier. So um, on, that, on that regard... Um, what are other what do you call this one? What are the the other skills in your past that really help you up until now as a as a designer? Skills, or probably <laughs> like um, values that you. you oh, values. Exactly. Okay. Uh, reading. <laughs> uh, reading. I think. Mm. Uh, so. If if you're starting as you know uh, as as a UX designer or or a UX uh, writer, I think there is more emphasis on on being very active, having very good uh, uh, reading habits and uh, note taking habits, because you know uh, we're we're all shifters, and I. I, I I feel that if you are a UX designer, you are a shifter to a fault, because there is no BS UX design uh, in 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 the United States. I mean, in, in abroad, there could be you know human computer interaction or something very very related to 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 UX. But you know, UX celebrates people who come from different disciplines or have multiple disciplines. Mm. So mm. it. I, I've never seen a line of work that demands uh, the, 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 the designer or the, the person in that, in, in that industry to actively seek information, read, and, uh, read and take notes. But uh, just to be, to be clear, you know, let, let's be frank. I mean, reading, it's not for everybody. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a super reader. <laughs> I mean, I I don't finish a book in one sitting, but but you know, it. I mean, it's it's true. I mean, I think it's it's a recurring theme that a lot of the things that I did was out of necessity because you know, like uh, I wanted to to help with paying the bills. That's why I got to work as a journalist, and uh, I wanted to save a, a bit more money. That's why. I, I jumped into UX design and it, it just so happens that uh, I have some skills that are easy to transfer. And I dare say that that's what happened to to reading too. I, I learned it because reading is is, is a habit. I, I started with, you know, you could Google this for sure. I mean, you start with a few pages every day and then you actually uh, take notes. And then if you feel like it, you, you, you can increase. 
Okay, something more, something more useful and related to reading. Uh, maybe one skill that I think I'm, 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 or one one habit of me that I think I'm, I'm proud of is, I love stealing. <laughs> I I love stealing ideas. So, uh, so I have a phone, uh, and then I use uh, the the notepad, and mm-hmm. I, I kid you not, every day. I take pictures or screenshots of every nice copy or screen that I see online. And I just keep a big library of it. I mean, I don't have like any fancy identification system. I just, you know, uh, uh, put it in. Sometimes I, I, I put it in folders like uh, error or uh, forms or buttons. And I, and I just keep it. And... The, the 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 reason for that is uh I have to admit that there's a lot of good stuff already there. And as a UX writer or as a UX designer, your job is is not always to reinvent the wheel. I think the I think a lot of designers are and, 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 and writers are pressured to always come up with something new. And you need to be this innovative rock star that you know that pumps out new ideas every single day and i think that's a very unhealthy a very unhealthy way of, of, of looking at the work because it's impossible i mean we're, we're not robots we get tired and that's a fact of you know life and you know instead of you know being so focused on creating new things it'll be i think there is more value in keeping record keeping tabs of things that work and start with that, and do your research. If you could find a way to make it better, so that's how I approach usually my work. Um, when I see like uh, a challenge, oh, sorry, uh, 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 there's work that needs to be done. For example, a success screen or a button. I usually skim over my my records, find something that might work, and then present that to my stakeholders, and then tweak that. After I do some testing with with some of my friends, some of my people, uh, sorry, people in at work, that's not related in my department, or if you know, there's budget, mm. you know, I could actually scale up the the test. So I encourage everybody, like, if you see a good screen, a good copy, get a screenshot, and then just keep it, because at the end, um. It's it's like bullets in a war, you know. So when you jump into a project and you have, yeah, I have so much screens and good copy from amazing brands. So have it, have at it. I mean, show me those, uh, show me those cute buttons, and let's see if something fits. So yeah, that's how. That's one skill that uh, that that I'm that I'm particularly proud of. So reading. If you don't like to read, you you can learn it, and I encourage you guys to learn it. Uh, second is you know steal, stealing, stealing is good. I mean, mm. uh, it's 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 your chance to actually be observant of things that work, uh, record it, and then if you find that that piece of work can help your users, why not use it? You're not required to reinvent the wheel always. Exactly. Oh, I think that's that's a really yeah, that's, that's a really this, good. There's this artist also like uh 
I think he's a he's an author, Austin Kleon. He has Austin a book. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that artist. book. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> that okay. nice book, please, guys. I recommend you guys to read that. Uh, yeah. Was it still like an artist? Still like an artist. Yeah, you're so, correct. Uh, yeah, this. Uh, maybe this will get cut off also, but mm. just to be clear, feeling ideas. Mm. Really good ideas are good, mm. but stealing money from taxpayers <laughs> is good. Just, just to be clear, guys. <laughs> just to be clear. Just it's to be not clear. good to steal. Not good in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> or you will lose your job or in, in any job, actually. <laughs> if you're a politician, don't steal. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> okay. Going back. Going back. <laughs> going back. Okay. Um, so, we talked about tips. How about the challenges? Um, because some of the people listening here will have the same challenge. We'll probably have the same challenges from being a shifter. What were the challenges that you encountered and how did you, you know, go through those challenges? Uh, you know, not to be, um, I won't try to be exhausted, but these are the, these are the standouts. Um, when I was a UX designer, one of the biggest challenges is, you know, uh, you know, this talk about, you know, working in an agile team. So when you work, when you read what you know agile is, that that agile methodology of of sprints, you think that you know everybody follows that to a T. But when you join companies, you'll be amazed that it differs so much. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's just downright a nightmare. And I experienced both. And one of the worst experiences is you know you you are insisting. That this is this this should be the only way of working. What is based on the book, but you are not open to be flexible when you actually start working in a real company. Because the facts are, you know, especially startups, they don't get the the workflow, the ways of working right at the start. They have priorities, they, they rush things, they make a lot of mistakes. And you need to have an appetite for ambiguity. You need to be ready for it. That, you know, sometimes you, you're asked to do this way, and then sometimes, and then after you've done it, there's this new requirement, and then it changes. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's a pleasant experience, but, you know, if you're working in a startup, especially here, uh, in in the Philippines, you need to be to, you need you need to be ready for that. Um, I'm, I'm I just I want to share one thing. So, when you when when you go reading out about UX design, you might read about UX maturity of a, of a particular company, and then there's there are certain levels, and that's related to this. Uh, you know that how how mature your company's UX practice is. Uh, but I also believe that, but I don't have facts about this. I, I'm still looking for it. That, you know, countries also has a certain degree, a certain level of UX maturity. Because I remember this talk when uh, when I had this design lead, uh, and he is from U- Ukraine, and he's an amazing guy. He has tons of experience, and then he 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 told me that you know uh, design work here in the Philippines are great, lots of designers, but you know. I he can imagine that a lot of designers are frustrated and you know 
even suffering because the workflows are not as mature compared to how uh, agile exactly. workflows are set up in uh, in in the US for for instance or exactly. in in abroad it's not at that level mm. so when ayaya supporting that i had a per, i had a friend who started working abroad and he was blown away like for the first time he was doing exactly what he has read in medium and based on those stories maybe maybe they're right <laughs> so that's the as a UX designer you know just to wrap that part um uh you need to be prepared that what you read in the books might not actually apply in in the workplace you need to be very flexible at the end the only true north star that you need to follow is your user research if you do your homework you present your 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 findings in in the best way possible you know that's it that's your work i mean if your if your boss doesn't say yes or says something crappy just let go <laughs> you did your work you 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 did your homework you mm-hmm. did everything you could and that's it um so that's one uh for 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 design really that uh ambiguity i mean how about you guys i mean have have you also encountered that <laughs> You go back. Yes, a lot of time. I think I can relate, or most of us can relate about the maturity. We, we always think that we're doing, oh, we're doing UX design, we're UX designers, but to the, the level of maturity on the UX, including the processes and the systems you build around it, isn't really that um, at far yet with what is being done in you know, bigger companies. And but it's it's we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Yeah. So yeah, I think for us, we just one. I think I can just give two. Like be comfortable with ambiguity. Second would always be like evangelize because you can't you can't put up a good UX process or good you know UX um, mindset overnight. You always need to. It's going to be, uh, you know, baby steps, and the only way to do that is to evangelize and to show them the value of UX as you work on, you know, as you work as a UX designer or UX writer. How about you, Chris? Yeah, exactly. I think I'll I'll add on the evangelization part, but focus a bit on the design education part because uh, if you want to sell UX to the whole organization, most stakeholders, most uh, what do call this one? PMs or probably even devs. They don't really value UX, the U, the whole UX process, the whole end-to-end UX, UX process. Um, if the 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 team is also not ready to be able to to do that, to to do user research, to be able to do all of those um, nuts and bolts of UX, uh, it it will be hard for them to also understand what UX is. So the goal is to like educate the team first and then start evangelizing outside. So that is really a challenge. Uh, be able to like um, convey or relay relate your or no re- relay your your thoughts your your education to the people. Um, that's that's one of the challenges. Yeah. Hey. Um. Uh. So that's the design part for 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 the if you're a UX writer, uh, and, and then if you're I mean for the readers if you're a, if you want to jump to UX writing and you're thinking about the challenges, uh, you guys 
uh, hit the most challenging part for me, the, the, the education, the evangelization part. Because, you know, the, the challenging part about the... So, in design, uh, nobody could actually... Not, not nobody, like, only a few people could actually say something about the color choices, the buttons, you know, the, the patterns that you guys use as UX, as UX designers. But the challenge with writing is everybody has an opinion on it because mm. everybody can write. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's hard to, to, to defend uh, mm. your word and grammar choices. It, it needs to be in a way where you don't appear like some, you know, grammar Nazi because, yeah, I know SIVDO and I know, you know, passive voice and active voice and then you're just waving that stick and then splat every idea because, you know, you know better grammar because you will feel pushback. So, you know, there's such a big demand, no, in in our industry for soft skills. Mm. Like, 100%, and I, I just realized that, but, but since... A lot of my formative years is talking to a lot of strangers, selling food and making them, you know, uh, like, bili ka na nung ano ko, ulam ko, or bayarin mo na yung utang. <laughs> because because uh, we, we, we also lend money. And then, nagtitinda kami ng, ng lugaw, ganun. It, 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 it revolves around that, you know, that, that, I mean, I just realized that I'm already being set up in maybe starting to practice those those soft skills of like you know uh compelling somebody or finding you know finding a way through their heart and tug on their heartstrings or something it's it's not a form of manipulation but it's just making a very very compelling strong point and making sure you're not stepping on anybody so soft skills yeah that that's that's one thing mm. that uh, a, a a shifter must work on 100% <laughs> Uh, to to double down on that, so for someone considering a career change into UX writing, uh, what are like three advice would you give them? Three advice? Uh, ooh, three advice. Uh, I'll start 100% with uh, you, regardless if you are a UX designer or a UX writer, uh, I bet you're going to read a lot. And I bet, you know, it's easy to get lost. A lot of people are saying similar things and there's a lot of things to write. And I, cur- I encourage everybody to start documenting it slowly but surely. Write things that you believe in. Write how you work. And even, th- if, even though it's just for you, it's an important practice. So you have a reference if you lose your way or when your boss says something nasty and then you lose your confidence hmm. um, you know you, there's really no experts in in this field yet uh, I strongly believe that everybody is an explorer um, and being able to remember and recall what you've read uh, what you've read the good ideas that you've encountered you know you know it it these turns in into habits and that will slowly bleed into into your work so document the the good things the good practices so you have a reference later so so that's one 
uh, when I, I I like to emphasize that. So for me, I I have that like some some sort of you know uh, gu- guidelines. Uh, number two, um, a lot of people say that look for a mentor. If you have the chance to get a mentor, then one hundred percent take that opportunity. Uh, you could actually even add uh, sorry uh, push some effort, mm-hmm. go online, uh, drop emails res- re- respectfully, and you know get a mentor and also read about what the mentor relationship is. It's not just you getting information from from one guy. It's really a a, a two way thing. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I want to be blunt. For most of us, we we don't get a chance. So my advice. Um, you need to be a bit more active in your learning goals. So for me, uh, I didn't have a very strong UX design or UX writing mentor. I, I, I didn't have the chance. Uh, I joined uh, design teams in its uh, uh, infancy. There's no UX lead yet. Um, at the very least, the people I consider um, my mentors for writing it's my professor, imagine, in college. Um, uh, Harold Grande, that, that's his name. He taught me how to write well. And for UX design, I think the closest I got to a mentor is my design lead in Home Credit. So that's Bogs Labayan. So hi, guys, if you're listening to this. <laughs> They're my biggest influences. But I think the biggest influences, the, my mentors really... A lot of them are strangers. Mm. Uh, read in medium. I mean, get into the habit of reading, of, of taking notes, and actually um, have the confidence to reach out to them and and ask questions. Mentorship doesn't mean doesn't always mean face to face or or also a, you know, a Filipino. You know, these guys are are wanna share. So mm. find a mentor. Uh, you know, re- uh, if you don't uh, have a mentor. Uh, I don't reach know. out to you? Will that uh, make sense? Yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. Or reach out to me, Jum. But yeah, sure. Oh, oh, 100%. There are some people who, 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 who did reach out and I hope I'm, I'm doing justice. Uh, number three, and honestly, a lot of the things that, that I'm saying, you could Google it for sure. There's a, a more, there's a smarter person out there who have said this in a more eloquent way, but I think one thing that I am proud of that I always remind people that I know in the design industry is you need to be very kind to yourself and take it take it slow. Uh, there is always this pressure that you need to be a good designer to reinvent the world. You know, you go to LinkedIn, you feel depressed that people are getting hired in Facebook and Google, and 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 it's so easy to feel defeated. Um, and it's so easy to forget that you know you're actually doing well. It's it's you know it, like what most people will say, iba yung karera niya, iba yung karera mo. And that also applies here. You just need to do the the necessary things. Do what is possible first, and then eventually you will do the impossible. And always remember, you are not there really for the fame on and and for the glory. You you're there really to you know, help someone other end, other other end, other other end of that app. It's really the work demands empathy. The the work demands care. You're not just you know designing a fancy screen. At the end, you need to remember that you know 
you are designing for a person that might need something, you know, has emotional needs, and you need to take into consideration that when you design, you are very, you are in a very unique place, a very unique role. If you are a UX designer or you are a UX writer, mm. they share a lot of things, but you know, uh, you need to remember that it's all about people. It's all about context. It's all about listening to them and representing them in the boardroom when you know people make decisions about products. Thank you, Sam. I can't. I can't add to that anymore. Like those are really, really, really great nuggets, especially then. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Oliver. It was- yeah, it, yes. it it hit a note in me. <laughs> <laughs> it, brought, it brought me back to like why are we really doing this? So thank mm. you, thank you for that. Hey, ju- for ju- just want to share, you know, and I'm I'm just you know amazed that every person that has taken you know, a different you know, a, a, you know a, an extra step on in in their path, like like you guys. I mean, doing a podcast and on your own. Seeking other people who who, who you know other experiences, you, you know you know in some part of your background, you you came from, I mean you came from an industry or you had experiences that demanded you to listen more than the average person and to respond to them uh, more than the average person, a nurse, a, a seafarer, and you know it it demands different things than the average person and. Here we are in in the UX industry, and it's such you know it's such a interesting thing to note that shifters come from a high empathy background. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much, Elder Thank you, and, thank you um, for the time. We learned a lot. Thank you so much. And this wraps up our episode 5 with Oliver Bayani. I would like to thank Attorney Ayan Mantikahon, our sound editor. Then Mark Padua, our graphic designer. This is your host, Chris Torigosa, and I'm Carl Director. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for thank listening, you everyone.